0: Hey, Kingdom One fam, thanks for stopping by for another podcast. Have you ever asked the question, why do some churches grow and some churches don't? We believe that it is because healthy things tend to grow. And that begs one more question. How do you define healthy? In today's podcast, Kendra Holybee and John Hughes are going to give us two checklists for staff culture and for finance. This is the Healthy Church Checklist
1: welcome to the kingdom one podcast where we grow the church together this podcast is here to give you big ideas and help you get practical with the tactical here's your host
0: hey guys thanks for tuning into another podcast episode we have kendra holyby our chro in the house hey kendra how are you today
1: what's up how are you i'm doing good
0: great and also John Hughes who is our CFO welcome to the podcast again and uh congrats on uh on being our CFO we uh, we really needed one so we're so glad you're here
2: thanks i don't know how much changes in my world but uh i'll take the title it just means more it's more liability that's all
0: <laughs> nice nice i'm good for it Guys, today I wanted to chat with you about uh, the healthy church and what does a healthy church look like in 2021 in two key areas and I see a crossover in this area. Uh, One is staffing and the second is going to be finance and what a healthy church looks like. So Kendra, um, when we talk about church culture, is there like a checklist that you have to make sure that churches are healthy or how do you get churches to, to get to that spot to start to think about culture first?
1: Yeah. So actually there's probably a couple of things that I, I always like to reiterate with culture, which is that it's kind of an ambiguous term that I think we we use pretty broadly in the business world and ministry world as a whole. Um, and what I try to do first is just define a little bit of like what culture is. And we have kind of talked about this in some of our other podcasts that you might have caught me on talking about it. but. It's really hard for organizations to figure out how to articulate what culture is or like what it really means. It's just that we all talk about it and we all know we need a healthy one, but sometimes if we don't know what it is, we don't know how to like make it better or how to like get it to a healthy spot. So I would start with just really, really understanding that really what your culture is made up of is, is literally, it's the fuel in the engine for your mission and your vision. And it's it's really the collective values that you as your employees and you as a staff have adopted. It's the belief system within your organization. And so that means values, vision and mission, mission only to be kind of coordinating together, working together in order for it to be healthy. But there's a couple of things on there that are are super critical, which is, again, just pointing back to that mission and vision. If you don't have one, you need to have one. So if you're unclear as an organization about what your mission, your actual vision is, that's probably your first task is like, you should probably get real clear about why you exist and where you're going as an organization. And then tied to that is the values. So a lot of people start with mission and vision and they stop there and they go, cool, now we know what we are doing everybody just go, you know? And so, but that actually is part of only part of the work. The next layer into that is really developing a clear set of values. And these can be keywords or they can be like phrases. It really doesn't matter. It's whatever your preference is as organization, but having those need to be crystal clear for your staff so that they know how their work is, is collaborating and, and fueling a lot of that mission and vision. The other side of it is clear roles. So like again, job descriptions and being clear on like what someone's job is, is another facet to um, the culture checklist there as well.
0: That's awesome. So I'm hearing mission vision. We're talking about clear titles. Um, do you have other things on the checklist that, that you think are really important for us to, to, to grow uh, healthily as a church?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, clear onboarding processes. We've talked about that before a little bit. Again, we've talked about that in depth in some of our other ones. Is like you'd have a very clear and good onboarding process. You can't expect for people to just drop off in your organization and expect them to know how to be successful. You have to help them get there and be the people that are interested in making sure that they do that. Um, The other thing is just really, I mean, extending care to your team. And that can look different in all sorts of facets, but really to get your culture healthy, you need to be super intentional about how you communicate, who you communicate to, when you communicate, how often, just like all the timing of communication needs to be at the forefront of your um, organization. And so when you think about all those activities, it's a lot to maintain, right? It's a lot to think about. There's a lot of like plates you're, you're like spinning when you're running a culture, and keeping it healthy. But if all those things, if communication is not happening, if onboarding is not happening well, you have no clear job descriptions, then things get real messy really quickly. Now there's layers to all of those items, but, Really, those are like the core. If we can get those things really clear, then yes, we can talk about benefits later down the line, how to make those better. If we can talk about in-depth culture activities that help promote a healthy culture. But again, those are like the core. Let's start here. And we can build on that as you get those processes really solid.
2: Well, I think what Kendra's referring to, and and, it, and I I would go back even to the first comment you made, Nick. I, I, these are not mutually exclusive issues. These are completely interrelated. H- culture and finances, the health of a church, um, is is taking the mission, vision, values, and then building human systems. To support those mission, vision, and values. Those are the onboarding processes, the handbooks, the financial policies, the reporting, all of those things, all of the activities and the, the systems we didn't put in place are there to reinforce those three major things.
0: Absolutely. And one thing that I love about our team is we think a lot about what culture looks like and how we can be present with that culture. Mm-hmm. And we read a lot. And uh, Patrick Lincioni has a book called The Advantage. And knowing the the things that Patrick Lincioni talks about, uh, I think we can see how we're, 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 we don't want to be siloed. We don't want to be yep. um, exclusive to the ways that we're doing The work that we do and that we have a unified vision and mission. Um, And so, John, uh, with that being said, are there healthy metrics for churches? Are there things that you look at whenever you step into uh, like a a role to to help a church? What, What are some key indicators for healthy finances?
2: I, I think a lot of it, dep- it depends on the organization because everybody's structured a little bit differently and have different emphasis on different things. But I mean, for the most part, every church is going to be very people heavy. That's what we do. That's what the church is about. Um, those that have their own buildings are going to be a little, also have a little bit more on the occupancy side, mortgage, rent, um, how they take care of their facilities. So we need to, I think, understanding the, the ministry in and of itself the things that are important to it and then defining metrics around those those activities to keep them in check and history will be the indicator of what is healthy we can look at a healthy period in that ministry's existence what were the metrics at that point, And then derive our benchmarks from that. Now, generally speaking, you know, we're going to, when we look at church, the church space, 55% of a church's budget, it probably should go into people cost. And that's a good, healthy amount. Uh, and maybe a little bit more, might be a little bit less, depends on the demographics. And it also depends on the amount of giving. Um, but about of the normal giving, 55% of that should go into that space. Now, um, I would caution a church, if you're celebrating for being at 45%, that may be just as bad as being at 65%. So you can be 10% wrong in either direction. So I'd be cautious of that. Um, Outside of the people space, and when we define people costs, we're talking about labor, benefits, taxes, potentially your independent contractors, because sometimes you may choose to not hire an employee and utilize an external contractor for that role. I would count that in there. Um, And training uh, and potentially some of the other insurances, the workers comp and life uh, may go into that as well. Secondarily, facilities, occupancy, uh, that's your rent, mortgage, utilities, cleaning, all that stuff, roughly 20% of a budget uh, can go into that space. That leaves about 25% of your budget for ministry, all the other ministry activities. Again, that ebbs and flows depending on the uh, the ministry. If you own your building outright, no debt on it, uh, your, your occupancy costs are going to be way lower, which is great because then you can invest it into the other ministry areas. At the end of the day, what a ministry should be looking for to really for health is what's happening on the bottom line. Hopefully there is an amount of savings happening each month. Roughly 5% is a healthy target. Not too much more than that, because then we're deviating away from, unless there's a specific you know, goal, um, savings, uh, saving for uh, going a little bit too low, does not t- doesn't take into the ebbs and flows of ministry. It can be a little bit uh, dangerous, but I would definitely watch for a 5% surplus on a month to month basis, or really on a trending basis, because month to month varies. Obviously, December is a big, uh, big factor in that for year-end giving, but some period of time, 5% surplus. Uh, is a healthy place to be. There's all kinds of other ratios that we could look at uh, for health, but I think those are the key uh, indicators that uh, almost any church or really any ministry should be taking a look at.
0: That's awesome because that's really simple math for us to to mm-hmm. look at today. And, and I think you answered one of my questions is how much budget should be allocated to staff. You said about 55%. Um, yeah. So my next question to, to either of you is uh, how does a healthy church uh, you know, approach top tier talent. And, and what I mean by that is how do we think about attracting some of the best top talented people to help within our ministries?
1: I'll, I'll start. I, I think the approach to talent in the ministry space is an interesting subject as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think what's really interesting about, about some churches um, and their methodology around talent, I think can be a little bit, you know, I think askew in the sense that um, it's we're all about let's get someone really talented in a spot um, or in many spots or across the entire organization. Number one, that's a really expensive thing to do um, inside any organization to assume that you can hire top talent in every area. Um, And it's almost, I would say, impossible to budget for um, to assume that. So I think you have to figure out and identify what key areas of your ministry are super important to your mission and vision and really decide that those are the places that we might want to spend a little bit more in a top talent. But I also think that there's a methodology behind this idea that we really need to be developing people to be top talent, not just bring them in from the outset. And so I think there's two ways of looking at that, which is that if that's your your uh, kind of methodology as a, as a ministry, great, go and approach that top talent, just know that your your budgets on payroll are gonna be outrageous. And I think it's not a good, good idea for us to think that all, all town across all ministries um, is gonna happen. I just don't think it's, it's reasonable. The other side of it really is just that we should be all about growing talent also and producing talent inside the church um, and approaching development as part of our budget um, items and rather than necessarily having everybody as top tier talent. Um, But there's definitely some areas, I think, you know, if you're talking about discipleship or missions-based or, you know, any of those, if you're a very creative church, then you might want to invest heavily more in the creative areas Mm -hmm. or in missions areas or discipleship, just depending on what the focus of the church is. So again, if your mission and vision are real clear, then you know what direction you're heading, you know, what might make sense for you to pay more for certain talent. Um, Now, in terms of attracting it, again, those all play into this idea of like, what are we, what are we saying about who we are? that gives people a purpose to want to come to this church and do and use that talent for that church. Um, but I think there's a couple ways you can look at it um, just in talent and, um, but it's just dependent on your, your budget size and where you want to place that money.
2: Something else to keep in mind too, is just get, is looking for the people that are uh, th- that are worth getting on the bus. I mean, we, we use the term talent. I mean, the, the, and that is easily uh, thought of in quantitative skills, but what about qualitative I mean, getting the right people into the, on the team, and then uh, that's what I think Jim Collins talks a lot about in good to great is getting them as part of the team on the bus and then figure out where to put them based on their skills and giftings. And like Kendra said, maybe there's, you know, somebody we may be looking at may does, maybe doesn't have the best skill set yet, but we know that they've got the qualities we're looking for in character and learning, and they really want to move into a space. Where, if we have the right, maybe uh specific talent identified, then we can invest in them strategically to teach them how to be top talent with the other qualitative characteristics that they have. So I would also say, we got to look for getting the right people. Um, it's tricky. I mean, the money, the monetary cost of being in ministry is, is a real thing. We definitely sacrifice to do it, but there's so many other value adds along the way um, that make it worth being a part of a ministry team and, and being willing to sacrifice, especially coming out of industry roles into the, the not-for-profit space.
0: And what I hear you saying is culture fit is, is a big issue is like, we really oh, think about people who absolutely are, who are, have the same mission, have the same vision, um, and who are playing by the same rules. And I think that's what you kind of talked about, Kendra, is that sometimes culture gives us like the boundaries of what we're going to do and how we're going to operate as an organization. And so with that, um, what do you do with, with somebody who like cultural fit? What are some key things to look for when it comes to culture?
1: Um, well, I think with culture fit, some of the things that I look at, and again, it's going back to the DNA of of the church itself to determine like what is the DNA of this church. And even if they have the values printed on their their wall somewhere, if that's not what actually they're actually operating, I'll look to to say how is that ministry actually operating first. And um, but I'll look at the whole picture. You have to look at the leadership style of the of the executives and the senior pastor to determine like how did they lead. Um, Number one, how does the person that we're looking at like to be led, Um, that chemistry piece of it that you just can't really articulate, either they're going to get along or they kind of don't, but it's looking at who's leading that person, it's looking at the people that they will lead and determining some of that also. I mean, we kind of talked about a little bit, but I think the character component, um, you know, is is a big component of the culture. If someone's personal values don't align with the organizational values, there will always be a rub. And it may not be right at right at first, you might be okay in the beginning, but usually about three to five years into an organization is where you'll feel a lot of rubs and they'll start to be misaligned because somewhere along the line, that individual had a, a personal value um, in life, just they might even articulate it, but they have a value that just doesn't rub right with the organization. And so when that rub happens, it takes, I mean, three to five years is what I've seen on average inside organizations that someone can last with that rub before they start to get maybe even on the wrong side of um, bitter or just angry about not being able to like manage themselves or their expectations kind of inside the organization. Um, But we're looking at the DNA of the culture and, and of the church specifically. Let's articulate, let's put words to that. So as we're looking for candidates, we can say that we understand that person's character and that their personal values essentially kind of align with organizations. And that's when we find the best fit possible is when both of their values and their purposes are going the same direction at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's really, really good. And I've, I'm the way that I kind of see the the lens of, um, you know, churches acquiring staff right now is, uh, you know, some through the pandemic. You know, churches have have fared fairly well uh, with PPP round one, PPP round two, and even uh, ERC the retention credits that are that are coming out now. John, can you speak to to a to a church leader who might be thinking of going after some top tier talent, uh, and in ways that we can think about, um, you know. A, to, to keep, keep what we have, uh, you know, the, the, the staff that we have invested, but at the same time, how do we flex into an area that, that might be a growth within staff?
2: Yeah. You know, I think it's, we have to be careful because staffing is one of the bigger commitments financially that we make. It's not, uh, it's not cheap and it takes a, can take a while to train up, replace, or, you know, deal with uh, retention even along the way. So I think it'd be very, I think it goes back to what we even talked about earlier. What is core to the ministry? What is the most important things and really investing in those central functions of the ministry. so I think of the if we're going to use the church as an example I mean our teaching pastor role is super significant because of the, the the function that that person plays but we may not need to invest as heavily into maybe some of their other other ancillary areas or we can leverage other talent pools outside of employment like volunteerism um, but having somebody on staff that can help train up manage support volunteers, is a great way to leverage, especially the skill sets. Whether it's those that come out of uh, legal backgrounds, facility management, uh, using the accounting and finance world. I mean, the 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 world I come from. You know, there's a lot of different options uh, as far as talent utilization. Maybe every church doesn't need a bookkeeper or an accountant on staff. How can they get a hold of fractional talent um, that are focused on? Uh, serving the local church. Small plug for Kingdom One, being that's what we do. But but go out, look beyond, and look beyond the walls of your ministry. There are people that are passionate about those ministries and want to help in those ways. Obviously, we're one of them, but they're all across the country. And the what we've seen, especially in the last year, we have the tools and the the ability with our technology to do those some of these things from anywhere we're not bound by the walls of a building or a geographical location so there i think it's leveraging and being creative about specific operational roles that maybe aren't super central to the church and getting you know doing something different i i kind of joke that you know when paul wrote about the early church in acts he didn't really have the irs state of california and hr in mind uh so how do you focus on being the local church in acts and then get creative about everything else
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you said about, uh, you know, like we don't have boundaries, like we can do these things through technology. And so, uh, somebody who's able to uh, do some audits from, from a distance that makes a lot of sense for ministries And, and same thing, Uh, you know, with, with working for churches and working from home and, you know, working in different locations. I think that's something that the church uh, should, should embrace. Um, As we move to this, this next section, I would love to talk about some new offerings that Kingdom One has that are specific in these areas. And so Kendra, when it comes to staffing searches, uh, what are some key things that you and your team do in order to find top tier talent for the churches that we represent?
1: Oh man. So our, with staffing, it's really fun because in search is what we're looking for and we're doing things just a little bit different, I think than probably your typical search agency in the sense that um, just our pricing model is just vastly different. So that's one differentiator, but we're looking for talent. um, You know, I tend to approach talent. I think this is a methodology of several churches, which is that we use this term a lot, like we're poaching from other churches. And I frankly don't like that term. So I'm going to, going to steer us to, to more positive direction when it comes to that. But I think what's really interesting about this, this search agency that we've kind of like launched as a like kingdom one has been this idea that we really have zero idea, like on the other side of that equation, what God has been stirring in somebody else's heart for, for who knows how long it could have mm-hmm. been years. It could be months. It could be weeks, you know, whatever, how long, we know that God moves in these other mysterious ways on the other side of the equation. And sometimes it's the idea we just need to tap some people on the shoulder and say, like, hey, I thought of you. It looks like you've got some talent that we're looking for. Are you interested to talking and learning more about this church we're working with? And a lot of times we're getting people who are like, I'm actually super happy where I'm at. I feel like I'm right where God wants me. I'm like, great. God bless you. Have a great day. And we move on. But the idea is that there's there's a whole whole host of, of job turnover that we're starting to see inside ministries. And what we're trying to do is actually just help meet people where they're at and help them get matched with wherever God's calling them. And that could be inside one of our churches, or it could be a church that we network with. It could be somebody with with my friends that work at churches that's looking for somebody, you know, it's, it's, there's a whole host of opportunities I think that are out there. Um, We tend to use a merger of, of talent, idea of talent tools, which means that I think inside churches, we kind of just throw posting out there and hope that people you know, find them. Um, And I think we've not approached recruiting in the way that Marketplace has, which is that we use these sourcing tools. These, we use technology to leverage finding people out there on Google that are just got their information out there in the world. We can then tap into those sources, find some people, just have some genuine conversations with them um, and then look to see who they are in the most authentic way so we can disarm them during our, our review process of them and get to know just who God's created them to be to see if it's a good fit for that organization that we're searching for. And I think it's based on relationships. We're just trying to get to know people, get to know who they are, who God's created them to be, um, help them figure out their calling if they're not sure what it is. But a lot of times we're talking to people, they know exactly what course God's got them on. And we're just trying to help them find that next calling that God's got them in. Um, and so we look to relationships and culture and that calling to kind of be our primary lens of how we're trying to find, um, and match people.
0: That's really cool that you say that one thing and one of the values that we have is becoming fast friends. And I see that whenever we hop onto these calls for interviews, um, people really open up and people really want uh, to invite you know God into what their next step is when it comes to to work and when it comes to their personal ministry so I, I love that you talked a bit about pricing model and I think you kind of glossed over it and I think the pricing model that we're talking about could be potentially disruptive um, I'm not going to name names or say anything like that but can you talk, between what is a traditional pricing model and what is a pricing model that Kingdom One has? Because I think this is really interesting for, for ministry leaders and for lead pastors to hear.
1: Um, yeah, the pricing model, I mean, if you've used any of the other ones that are traditionally out there in the world for ministry, um, they tend to want to want all your money kind of upfront, which is really hard on the budget. I mean, John can speak to this a little bit, but it's really hard to cough up tens of thousands of dollars when you're like, gosh, man, I really just need to find a discipleship pastor. I don't know how I can chunk up this money right now. As you think about what's happening with the pandemic and what this has done to the church's like economic and financial picture, it's changed. So it's really hard for them to upfront this kind of this money, just all up front. And it's with no guarantee that we're going to find someone for you. Mm-hmm. That's the scariest part. The scariest part is, oh man, like if someone walked through your doors tomorrow you're beholden to this organization now to place them and you cannot hire that person that walks through your front doors or that you networked with that, you know, be a perfect fit. They now have to like feed through, right. This or this other search agency. And so the pricing model is like, man, we're really not trying to like hurt the church. Our goal is to like help fuel the church, but they don't have all the tools and the recruiting tools that our team has. Right. So how does, how do they tap into that without totally breaking the bank? think what's easier in our model really is, is a, that monthly model, like how we do all of our talent work is the same that we do with staffing. It's a monthly expense, which is a little bit easier on the monthly budget than it would be all up at once. Um, especially if you didn't anticipate someone vacating a position in the middle of a year that you don't have to backfill, you didn't plan for that search agency. That's a huge amount to try to just find out of a budget that has now already been hurt kind of by the pandemic. So what we're trying to do is a price model. Just is make it more affordable, make it more reasonable. Hopefully we can find the timeline shorter than a lot of them out there as well. So you're not spending, you know, tons of money up front. Um, it is a lower price point too. So if you were to compare apples to apples, just a total overall investment, you're going to find that our searching is a lot lower and our methods are a lot more effective. So we're able to fill them a lot quicker um, so I think those are two major differentiators between like the pricing model and just then the, yeah, the outlook for it. Um, the competitors again, upfront or contingent searches, those are like kind of your, it's basically your two options out there. Um, or the other third option is you'd go to the mainstream website and you just pay, I think it's $250 for a posting. And again, it, maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't is kind of the hope.
0: John, would you like to speak to that? Because I know you being the money guy and doesn't more money mean better for everybody? Like shouldn't we charge more money? Can can you talk to 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 us why we're we're not charging as much for, for local churches?
2: All about the money. It, more money is better. Absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I think when like going back to what we said earlier, uh, our our human systems are there to reinforce values. One of our big values at Kingdom One is partnering with the church, coming alongside and helping alleviate some of those challenges. So we structure our pricing model accordingly so that we can partner with these churches, help build relationships. We're not in it to make. X amount of money. We don't have stockholders. We don't have all of those other marketplace elements. We are a ministry as well. Uh, so we want to make sure our resources, our times and talents are going in to help serve the church in partnership. Um, again, kind of using that early church model, how can we come alongside what the church has to do based on what we read in scripture and fill those, uh, tangible talents along the side so that they can stay focused on what they do. So our pricing model is fixed. It's very uh, streamlined and straightforward. It, I think it better, and it matches the work we do. So if it takes us two, three months, it takes us two, three months. We're paying our people two or three months to do that work uh, and to get it done. And and we, you know, we build in, have to build in margins in there for our overhead costs and to help keep us financially viable, but it's not, um, we're not using that as a huge money maker to help fuel some other lost leader along the way it's really just intended to cover our cost and the work that we have to do but again ultimately to build that partnership so the church can come alongside we can come alongside them in whatever financial condition they're at to be able to help backfill uh, their team and hopefully do more along the process there's every church has headaches if this is this could be that inroad for us into just saying here here's one way we can help you we can do this in other places as well
0: yeah and in comparing apples to apples it's almost hundreds of percent cheaper to go with like a kingdom one than it would be to go with brand name, uh, staff searching for churches. And so, uh, just hearing that and knowing that our heart is to grow the local church, to fuel its mission. I love that. And and John, I think your team is doing a a bit of the same thing, uh, when Mm -hmm. it comes to ERC, can you talk to us about what ERC is and how it can benefit the church?
2: Sure. Uh, In the long name, the employee retention credit that came out of the CARES Act of the first round of legislation back now over a year ago um, was a a program that was implemented that really uh, you could choose one of two lanes. You could choose the PPP loan process, or you could choose ERC. If you did one, you couldn't do the other. Well, in December, when we had new legislation legislation come down, uh, that stipulation went away or it was uh, reversed. So uh, if you did get PPP funds, you could get ERC funds as well. And so that opened the door for a lot of churches, specifically those of us in California who've been probably more um, structurally impacted by the the regulations around the pandemic. So we could use use qualitative measures in that we've changed how we had to do ministry. The church is significantly different. We may not have seen the quantitative metrics like a 50% decrease in giving, That was 2020 to 25% in 2021. Um, But because of those limitations on how we did ministry, we can go after these tax credits, our payroll tax credits for our employees during those covered periods. So 2020 has a set of rules. 2021 has a little bit different set of rules, but there's a substantial amount of uh, tax credits on the table. And if you, you know, to use the technical language, if you exceed the tax credit, you actually get a refund uh, above and beyond the amount. And in We've seen some churches that have qualified for hundreds of thousands of dollars in these credits. It's uh, it goes on the, it against the social security and Medicare tax. So if you have past a heavy pastoral or minister designated staff, those employees aren't uh, able to qualify, but anyways, all that detail to go uh, to, to, to even wrap it up is that we're coming alongside these churches, our partner churches, and helping them do these uh, applications, going back, do the calculations, do the work for them that may be a little bit onerous and uh, too technical, uh, given the staff that they have, and we can get it done for them. We're doing it on a talent basis. It's you know a couple talents worth of work. Uh, not a percentage charge of the total amount received because whether you have a hundred employees or 10 employees, the amount of work is just about the same. So we don't want to exploit a a church just for being larger. And and that maybe isn't a great word to use, but it kind of is what it is. Um, So we've done a lot of the homework, a lot of the calculation building, uh, so, we've become trying to become experts and again come alongside this church, not only qualify for those credits, but if the church is unique and needs some help in knowing what to do with those dollars, we can partner alongside them that, with that and think about how to creatively use those windfall funds. Even PPP is a part of that as well um, to further the growth of the ministry, um, to steward it well and wisely
0: kingdom one fam how did your church do with that checklist i hope very well if you want to follow us on any of the social medias or you just want to ask a question for this podcast just search us up we are at kingdom one at all of the social media and second if you would do us a huge favor would you rate and review this wherever you listen to your podcasts at and finally if you want to grab some dope kingdom swag to support this podcast go to kingdom one.co store until we chat again let's grow the church together